chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount Plus. Get fired up. Oh, yeah. Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. 252 in the books. And your boy BC. Here to wrap it up for you, instant analysis style on the State of Combat pod. It is the Brian Campbell UFC 252, the heavyweight trilogy, and the greatest heavyweight to ever step foot in the octagon. Uh, if there was anybody left, this podcaster included, who could doubt Stipe Miocic, uh, it don't matter because he took care of business once and for all, a unanimous decision win over Daniel Cormier to defend the title, to win the trilogy, to secure that title of heavyweight GOAT. Uh, this, there, look, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do but praise the champ, Stipe, in an incredible performance. Uh, 252 had some some highs, some lows, some some in-betweens there at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, but it was all about this main event, all about the history at stake. Uh, we had eye pokes. We had a lot of different stuff going on, but uh, that, that unassuming firefighter and paramedic from suburban Ohio, uh, he's your man at age 37, same as, as some people think he ever was. But like I mentioned, if there was any remaining doubt, he punched a hole in that. We're going to get into all of that. Uh, wow, wow, wow. IA, instant analysis. It is after 2 a.m. Eastern time, uh, uh, after the fights. Uh, hope you, you checked out what we had going on on CBS Sports HQ immediately after the fight. Rashad Evans and I hitting you up with Akeem Dermish. Highlights, all that analysis. Well, now we're hitting up pod style here. You're going to get whatever fumes are left in the BC tank, so to speak. So, uh, you know, five-star review. All right. Tip your, you know, tip your bartenders, all that crap. Okay. You want, you're here for the analysis. You're here for the fights. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, BC, somehow along the way, you became the uh, number one in the Daniel Cormier fan club. That's fair. And somewhere along the way, you became the lead protester to the idea that Stipe really is all that. Now, look, the latter, I'm not going to go that far. Um, but, you know, we could never deny that there were things, the lack of marketability, the really the, I don't know, there was just things and reasons to hold Stipe back, uh, despite knocking down every great heavyweight they put in front of him. And uh, I know you want me to somehow discount this win. I can't do it, all right? The second fight between the two more than a year ago. Do I think it was more DC losing that fight or, quote-unquote, taking Stipe off the hook? Than it was Stipe winning it. Look, I, I believe that. I believe Daniel Cormier was the better fighter of the two on paper. And most of this rivalry showed that. But he didn't show it when it mattered most. There's no asterisks to put here. 
at the end of the day, okay? Uh, I thought Steve Daniel gave away that second fight. I didn't think he was in the best shape. And when asked this week on CBS Sports HQ, what's going to be the difference? Who are you picking for your trilogy? I said this. I said if Daniel Cormier can walk into that cage and prove to us that he really did do the work, no corners cut like ahead of the second fight when he had some injuries. If he was healthy enough to go in there and put in the work that would give a 41-year-old man five-round stamina and the ability to do what he does best, which is wrestle, uh, not for five rounds, but more than the first two fights, specifically more than that second fight when he abandoned it after round one. And if he could have a chance to outwork Stipe, I'm going to know that he's the better fighter. He's going to win more of the exchanges. He's going to win this fight probably by decision. I thought it would be more tentative and tactical than the first two. Turns out it was. There's still some great action in this five-round fight. Uh, I thought both guys in rounds two and three uh, rallied to hurt the other in the closing seconds and sort of steal close rounds. Or maybe it was rounds one and two, excuse me. But uh, DC didn't lose this fight. Stipe wanted. He was in better shape. He was in incredibly great shape for a 37-year-old champion in a trilogy fight. He was the smarter fighter who made better adjustments. He went to the body early to remind DC, but just was great in the stand-up clinch, which is a area that uh, that he had great success in the in the first fight. Not so much in the second, uh, you know, in the first fight early before getting stopped. And look, you know, like. In every category across the board, Stipe was better in this fight. All those intangibles that have made him so great shone through, but he showed great fight IQ. He showed an insanely great chin because what was in that DC tank, he was ready to, to pour it out a few times and landed some big shots, you know, including wobbling Stipe to end round two that, you know, or maybe it was the opening round that, that could have, uh, it was the opening round that, that could have and would have knocked out many a people. But that's what Stipe does great. He survives and he lingers and he makes, you know, never next level, completely ridiculous, you know, just the perfect slight adjustments and is able to carry out the fight plan in his game. And I know there is a chance that some people may bring up the the eye poke as a big narrative here. It was at the end of round three. Uh, DC had eye poked Stipe in round one, and we we're like, oh no, not again. Didn't turn out that bad. The end of round three, DC got legitimately poked hard in the eye. It more or less robbed him of his vision the rest of the fight. He talked afterwards saying it is what it is, said he could see all black out of his eye, and that's it. So I'm going to tell you this. In rounds four and five, DC was heroic going out there with one eye, eating right hands, and trying his best to stay in the fight. But you can't blame this loss. On the eye poke, when you had karma police coming after you. And it's the truth. And a lot of people accuse me, hey, number one super fan, number 99, DC, BC over here. Uh, how come you didn't bring up the eye pokes from the first two fights enough? And you're right. Maybe we didn't uh, uh, attack that narrative enough that DC uh, hurt Stipe twice, all right? In one fight that he won, in one fight that he lost with pretty vicious eye pokes to the point that Stipe needed surgery to correct that after their second fight and delayed this third fight more than a year in time. Uh, you just can't complain or lean on that when you're the person who has benefited from it throughout the rivalry and you're a serial offender in that and also you opened up this third fight with an eye poke in round one that could have been disastrous and luckily wasn't. So I'm not saying uh, DC did. He was, you know, humble but dejected. Uh, he did bring it up but didn't, you know, lean on it as, a, as an excuse. But look, he has to know in his heart 
you know, could have things gone differently uh, if that didn't happen to end round three. And I think in theory you want to say yes. But, look, I don't think DC fought the, the smartest game plan again. And unlike the second fight where I thought it was his cutting of corners, lack of of the stamina he needed, uh, overconfidence, fighting with his hands down, eating Stipe shots, and then, you know, being too tired to, to, to counteract what Stipe was doing to the body, I felt a lot of that was DC's fault. Uh, this third fight, he had all the chance to get in the shape he needed to to wrestle, and he didn't. He didn't do it. He took Stipe down in round one. And look, I'm not underestimating the energy it takes to do that or the fact that Stipe is a big dude who's strong. He's got great technique. He was a college wrestler. He knows what he's doing there. I'm just saying when you look back at the totality of these five rounds, DC once again <laughs> didn't wrestle when he maybe could have, especially in round five where that fight is is up for grabs grab seemingly on the scorecards. It, it, feel, it felt like two to two there going into that final round. And, uh, you know, in the end, the, the judges had uh, two of them giving it 49-46 for Stipe. So maybe it wouldn't have made as much of a difference. But to see DC uh, not wrestle, I mean, yeah, he was, you know, despite the one eye, was was aggressive. I didn't think he was reckless or, or maybe feeling like uh, he knew what, what what was at hand. And I don't feel like he he went after it. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. I didn't feel a tremendous level of urgency where you could leave a fight and, and blame it more on the eye pokes than, than maybe on what he didn't do. And I look, look, we're, we're two fights into this now with Stipe winning. What DC wasn't able to do is more about what Stipe was able to do and stop DC from doing. So this isn't a lament at Daniel Cormier having the opportunity to beat him uh, two out of three times and not. But there's just nobody to blame. DC wasn't good enough, and this is a, a tough pill to swallow. Look, we talk so much about legacy coming in, about this was such a dare-to-be-great roll of the dice, like two Hall of Famers, two legends, but putting themselves in the spot with this much at stake where you could really put that cherry on top and add on. The winner of this fight was going to be the greatest heavyweight in UFC history, but I did feel for Daniel that he had the higher potential ceiling being the two-division champion where you know he could have he's in that that goat table that that top four five six fighters in history conversation had he won this but when you take that chance there, there's a price to pay when you lose it and daniel cormier is a, a hall of famer he's a salt of the earth he's a representation of what mma should be all that stuff we already knew coming in he's going to be a great ambassador for the sport as a broadcaster and coach and all that but He's the bridesmaid in two divisions in his own era. And that just is what it is. He wasn't as good as John Jones and lost in their two meetings, although one changed to a no contest. And he wasn't as good against Stipe. And although that first fight was was an incredible um, strategical move that Daniel saw ahead of time and carried it out perfectly first round knockout. Look, over the course now of two straight fights, uh, nearly 10 rounds or nine rounds, whatever it was. 
you know, there's nothing else to argue here. Stipe is the better fighter in his own heavyweight division and era. And, you know, DC also didn't get to fight Kane on his own choosing. So um, he's a two-division champion. He's a legend. He's all those things. But he's not in the greatest of all time debate. And that just sort of is what it is. And that's just my opinion. You know, other people have Jose Aldo in that. And they, and they say, you know, they come at me on Twitter. I look, I get all that. Okay. But that's just my opinion there. Uh, but Stipe, man, he now sets himself up huge. Just like we thought with had DC won, you get John Jones on the phone, you get the Brinks truck backed up, and you do a third Jones Cormier fight that would have meant, it would have been the biggest fight in history. It, I don't, it would not have outsold Connor Habib won, but it would have meant so much more. It would have been your legit, most prestigious, most storyline heavy, soap opera heavy, whatever. Well, that's not going to happen. But we may very well get Stipe Miocic against John Jones next. And I don't know if you followed at Bones Jones on Twitter, but he was very vocal tonight. And uh, he was cheering for DC openly. He's talking about how maybe we didn't realize how much that eye poke did play a part. And again, I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying you can't lean on it. You almost can't mention it now. But Jones was saying, I'm ready. I'm ready sooner than later to come after that title. I do think the UFC should fast track. If anyone deserves to be fast tracked for a title shot in another division, you know, should it be old Aldo coming off a loss? No. Or coming off two losses? No. Should it be John Jones, the greatest of all time? Yes. Sorry, Nganu. You're going to have to wait. If they choose to do this, um, I'd gotten criticized where I said, okay, DC Stipe three. If DC wins, hey, he's in the GOAT. He's in the GOAT conversation. But what about Stipe? I said, no. Some of that is is heavyweight bias, but there's some other elements in there. But obviously, he just added a second straight win over Daniel Cormier, and his resume is ridiculous. Stipe's eleven and two in his last thirteen since that loss to to Stefan Struve. Both losses he's redeemed by knockouts in title fights. I mean, it, the guy's insane. But if he has the chance to add John Jones, greatest of all time, as a win. I mean, we are talking about Stipe Miocic as the greatest of all time uh, contender and in that GOAT convo. He would have beaten the greatest of all time. I mean, he would have, uh, like, you know, and I don't damn anyone right now who's like, yeah, Stipe sits at that table next to next to Anderson, GSP, John Jones, Fedor, Mighty Mouse, whatever. And, you know, maybe you think he's last on that list or maybe you think he's not, he can't reach those other guys. Or maybe you just love yourself some Stipe and it's really hard not to at this point, to be fully honest. But if he beat Jones, good Lord, he's in that, you know, he's getting he's picking out the comfy chair in the goat room. So the great news tonight is that we saw another really good fight. I don't think this this third say Stipe was as good as the first two. Certainly it's much longer than that first fight, which only which didn't even go a full round. And I just think there were more ebbs and flows. The second half of this fight was a little bit more uh, stand up clinching heavy because DC was running out of gas straight up. And I think he was too willing to sort of save up the energy and, and try one big rush on the feet where maybe he had other avenues, whatever. Look, I don't think he's beating Stipe on this night. You know, you can run it back three, four more times. Uh, you know, it's just a guy who has his number, but the big news for this division is that it's fun right now. And you're never going to have a, a, a long roster. <laughs> I mean, the heavyweights are going to be going to be thin and have a lot of retreads. But if right now, DC walks away and retires, and I think he should. You got Stipe. Yeah, he's got a lot of mileage on himself. Yeah, he's 37, but he just did five rounds at the highest level and looked freaking great. Then you insert John Jones. Then you insert an absolutely red-hot Ngannou, who, for all we know, could be the champion for the next 10 years. 
Oh yeah, you got Curtis Blades, who's who's right there and deserving. You've also got, uh, you know, Derek Lewis. You've got some other players, a couple other players that that you're just, you know, you're interested in them at the title level. It doesn't go deeper than that, but that's some fun and excitement. And outside of this rivalry, DC Stipe, which have all been pay per view main events, they haven't sold a ton, but they've gotten us, you know pretty darn excited in, in little bursts. Outside of that, you haven't had sex in the heavyweight division since Brock Lesnar. Straight up, you haven't had fights where it's like, oh my god, I gotta see. You haven't had these commercial blockbusters. And if we're going to get that now, that kind of potential with Jones Miocic, with Nganu Miocic 2, with Jones Nganu, I mean, like, come on, inject me, alright? I'm rubbing it on my gums as we speak, so shout out to the heavyweight division. Big win by Stipe. Yes, I underestimated a lot of his IQ along the way. Uh, look, it, heavyweight's a hard division to have everything. That's why I thought at that brief prime, Cardio Kane was was the guy. Never saw a heavyweight that cardio. That's the guy. Well, Stipe's got pretty damn great cardio. And he may have some of the greatest punch resistance we've seen in heavyweight history. The greatest in terms of the ability to take legitimate damage and and keep his head and be there and be willing and be ready. And then, you know, as a boxer, he can play the boxer or he can play the slugger, depending, depending on if he's facing somebody who's faster or slower. He can wrestle and block the takedown up to a high level. Uh, I thought he won a lot of those early fights against guys who weren't as well-rounded as him just by leaning on those intangibles. Great chin in this fight. Bail me out power in this fight. Blah, blah, blah in this fight. Well, you look, obviously, okay, BC's got to open his eyes to the theme there. The fact that he's insanely well-rounded. He's like a perfect heavyweight in a lot of ways, except for on the microphone. And, and you can't damn the guy for not being exciting in the cage. Most of his fights, he gets hurt and then finishes you. That's super exciting. I was wrong. I was late to the party, but I really wasn't late to the party. I've been interviewing Stipe for a long time and always loved the guy. You know, he wasn't the role. He wasn't the guy for that role in in some ways of being this loud, braggadocio seller. You know, he speaks really fast and soft, and but he's a pretty funny dude, and he's blue-collar, and he represents everything that's great about the sport and really about people. I mean... He's the first responder during the quarantine who had to build a gym in his basement just to be able to get ready for this fight. And I'm not I'm not missing it anymore. I see it. I hear Jimmy, okay? I do. I thought Daniel Cormier. I thought Daniel Cormier was the better fighter in this rivalry, and we just had to see it play out. In the same way that when people looked at Cormier's 205 title run, they're like, okay, fun-ass win, right, against... Uh, Rumble and against uh, Gustafson in that five-round thriller. But you never beat Jones. So it's an imposter sleeping in the bed while that guy waits. I thought in some ways what we found out in that first fight and what we knew about when DC does compete at heavyweight, that he was the better fighter than Stipe. And, you know, he blew it in the second fight. But if they chose to go a third one, you'd see that. I don't care about Cormier's age. I don't care about anything. You'd see it. You didn't see it. And and again, like you, you, we're split in here. We're talking about the two, the, the two greatest heavyweights in UFC history, and one being better than the other. But there's a gap there, and and Stipe did, and he did it, and um, and I have no doubt anymore. 
DC didn't didn't fight the fight of his dreams in this third fight, and he had the bad luck with the eye poke. But there's no excuses. Not not when you not when you're in your third fight with somebody. If he was better, he would have showed that on this night, and maybe a younger DC would have would have felt the same way because. For as much as you sit there at, at, when you're watching it going, why is he not wrestling? It, it takes a toll. And he does believe he has an advantage on the feet. And I think in the big exchanges for, for some of this third fight, he did. It, but it wasn't enough where he could lean on just that. And, you know, it was probably going to be too taxing to try to drag Stipe down because that guy just gets in sick shape and he's going to be there all night. And I don't know if this is a one-man therapy session where all you Stipe guys are like, are, are about time, DC, all right? about I mean, come around already. About freaking time. Um, maybe it is. Maybe this is my cheap therapy for the week. But I'll take it, all right? I love Daniel Cormier and what he stood for and what he stands for. Like, I mean, he's everything. He was great, great to our sport. Played the villain, played the hero, was the hero. He's the second best light heavyweight of all time. He's the second best heavyweight of all time. It is what it is. And it's time to stop looking back. It is time to start banging that drum and sort of making a decision as a fan. Which side are you on? You want to see Miocic Jones next? Or you want to see Miocic and Ganu? And you heard me say, I want Jones. And I actually think that's the right move for the promotion. Because if Miocic wins against Jones, you're going to get Stipe against Francis too anyway. Okay? And you'll have Stipe coming in undoubtedly as the as the as the A side as the guy who got the rub from John Jones and the guy, you know, I mean just as the, the look, as the guy, okay? But if Jones wins, then you have Jones and Ganu being a bigger combination in terms of it being able to sell that then maybe even Jones, you know, if Jones comes in that with the belt, then maybe even Jones Miocic and certainly uh, Nganu Miocic too. So, you know, marketing-wise, gamble-wise, in terms of UFC in that war room when they're mapping this out, it just probably makes more money sense to to put Jones in now. And, you know, I've been been the day one-ish guy who says early to mid-30s John Jones, yes, still beats every single heavyweight, and I do believe that. But I also believe that if he fights Stipe Miocic this year, he's going to have he's going to have to earn it and really earn it, like really earn it, like John really earned it in the first fight with Gustafson. And and look, John, you know, you can't say anything bad about John. The the, the chin is all freaking time great, and the intangibles and the perseverance and the IQ and all that. But he, he'd have to have that against Stipe because Stipe is going to be in that fight. I do think that the combination of John's IQ and his speed and some of the things that at light heavyweight in close fights of late against uh, Dom Reyes and Maheta that have been where like, oh, my God, I could argue the other guy won. I think that's more of the gap closing at 205 and the fact that John is a little bit slower, much more safer as a striker. I don't think it'd be like that at heavyweight because John would have such a speed advantage and the danger would be so much higher across from him that I think there's a lot of times where he'd have to stand and fight and it'd be incredibly fun to watch. And, you know, early spoiler alert, I still feel like John wins all of those matchups, even against Ngannou, which would be freaking insane. But the fact that we are now knocking on the door of getting those 
and we don't really need Jones Cormier three. There was nothing else for us to learn. And I think the only way we really would have got Jones Cormier three is if DC had won early and decisively against Stipe. If he had, if he had, you know, let's say that punch that wobbled him at the end of round one. If he had a little bit more time or whatever, or took a takedown on that and ground and pounded and set him up later, then you're like, okay, DC didn't take a lot of damage. We're doing the third Jones fight. I mean, we don't, you know, he may not have done that had he won a hellacious five round war. Well, it didn't happen, and we don't need it because we got players now, and it's there's really no telling how high. Stipe can go legacy-wise from this. Um, I mean, how much higher can he go when he's already the greatest heavyweight of all time? Well, he can go what I talked about, getting into that into that GOAT debate. And, you know, and, and really taking down Fedor as the greatest heavyweight. You know, to, to some people, Fedor's not even the greatest heavyweight of all time because he never fought in the UFC. Although, you know, you can counter that quickly by, by looking at the... Uh, the murderer's row of guys he fought in pride in their prime and certainly without drug testing, let's be honest there. But, uh, uh, you know, he can challenge that myth and that the emotional connection people have with Fedor and really just be the greatest to ever do his job in history. And God, if he could beat John Jones, we could beat Francis a second time. And he doesn't have to. He can walk away right now just the same. But, you know, I've heard him say in the interviews, uh, I'm go- I got nowhere to go, you know. I'm still catch these checks. I'm still come out here and do the dirty work. And you and have to admire that. So it was Stipe's night all along. But something we thought we were going to see in that co-main event bout, Sugar, Sean O'Malley, uh, the coming out party, the let's stamp him. He's your future star, the future face at Bantamweight and the whole sport. That did not happen. Four minutes and 40 seconds. Marlon Chito Vera with the vicious TKO on the ground with elbows and punches. Lot to pick out here, okay? First of all, yeah, the win is... Uh, tainted would be the wrong word, but the win's compromised by the fact that Sean O'Malley uh, badly hurt his... I don't know, was it knee, ankle, foot? right? The, his right leg, a serious injury. It was when he was kind of juking and setting up his uh, his offense and his shots. He made a little bit movement, put weight on his right side. He hurt it. It was obvious. He was... Uh, uh, Gio Vera says it was hurt from an earlier leg kick in which uh, O'Malley landed hard. uh, Then you had Vera make the adjustment on the second leg kick and checked it, and that's where the injury came from. Either way, O'Malley was compromised. But Vera gets all the credit he would have, I believe. Maybe not all, but most of the credit he would have for a win against O'Malley in the spot simply by the aggressive nature in which he put this fight away. O'Malley falls off of the break due to the the injured leg. He's not hurt. He's he's defensive in his guard on the ground. And the way that Cheeto Vera was just like, uh, I'm going to treat you like a guy on the floor in a bar that I just knocked down, and I'm going to put you away. Vicious freaking elbows. And I thought the stoppage from Herb Dean was quick. But I don't hate it because if it was induced by the idea that that O'Malley went down with an injury, he's nursing the injury, doesn't want the injury to get worse. And, oh, by the way, he's getting lit up with hellacious strikes. That's fine. I do think O'Malley would have kept fighting, maybe been able to survive that. Who knows? I mean, this is what this fight was supposed to be about. O'Malley telling us if those intangibles are for real. Uh, we know he could do spectacular setups of, of strike finishes, but what about when he had resistance? And I think that... Largely for O'Malley, you know, we don't learn really any of that stuff. Uh, he looked good in the opening minutes. Absolutely hard leg kicks, switching stances. But Vera was there. Vera never backed down to his credit. And he'll get the reward that comes from this win, meaning catapult into the top 10, maybe a top five opponent, certainly a lot more tension and money. 
but I don't think O'Malley loses it what other people might be. It's a loss that's going to go down and be remembered because of his injury. It'll slow down his, you know, full-on catapult into stardom, which this pay-per-view co-main event bout was designed to essentially do. But, you know, he still has a chance to answer all of those things, provided the injury isn't insane. And I don't have early reports on that injury as I go to, as I record this podcast right now. It might be out there. I'll, I'll try to be on the lookout for it for you. But uh, I think he's going to be fine. He's going to have to go back to the drawing board and put together some more uh, some more wins, but also, so, you know, relight that fire of excitement. But it may end up being, the, in the long run, the best thing for him. We don't know exactly where his head was at, if he was ready for what he potentially could have got. If he did an Anderson Silva to Chris Lieben, which I thought, you know, was in play here, if he had done that, you know, that doesn't mean he's as, as great as he looks. Silva just turned out to be the guy, and he had it all. Some guys, Johnny Walker, can come in and be insanely great in a couple fights and then meet a Corey Anderson and get humbled. And, you know, he's still got to prove to us where he's going after that. Um but, you know, maybe this is the blessing in disguise for O'Malley. We don't know. You just hope ultimately that the injury doesn't compromise him. You know, more in terms of long term. But, uh, hey, big win for Cheeto. And you look at this. Fearless was in amazing shape. Had a good game plan. Was tough. And now he's 6-1 and one in his last seven fights. And, of course, that only lost earlier this year to Song Yudong. It's a flip him fight. Flip your coin. Who would you think won? Uh, he He has the potential to go far. He certainly does. He also didn't have to kind of answer, you know, the crazy questions of could he handle certain things of what makes O'Malley so special. Yet he still he still found a way to make this about him in a lot of ways. And that's that was impressive. Big win, as was Giant Zero, Jair Zinho. It's late, folks. Okay, Rosenstruck getting the second round TKO of JDS. Look, I thought Junior still had enough in the tank. And I think he showed you that where, you know, he had a chance to outbox him here. He fought great from distance. I thought in the first round, he had a chance to kind of maybe outclass the still really raw Rosenstruck as long as he could swim without getting wet to quote the late Nazim Richardson. But, uh, he got wet. He got, he got, he got soaked. And that's what Rosenstruck did. And, you know, obviously Jair Zinho has the, uh, although he's in his early thirties has the much higher ceiling, yeah, he got blown away by Francis, but again, everybody does. This was the win he needed to bounce back and remind us he's still raw shit. That's the way it is. Uh, he's going to get better. It may not matter in a lot of the matchups because of his power, as we've seen, but he needed this, and that's three knockouts in a row, and you hate to see that for Junior because he's not a he's not a uh, like. He's not a walking disaster to his own long-term health and future. I mean, three knockout lots, it, it, losses are what they are, but, you know, he got in great shape for this fight, and he looked great in there before it happened. He does have an opportunity, if he wanted to, to walk away on his own terms now, but nobody wants to lose like this. He can still beat a lot of guys. I think he'll be back. I think maybe he should. You, I mean, it's hard to say should in that, um, but he loses to the best. And here's another guy who came in there and did that to him. Um, beyond that, it was a sort of an interesting card. I mean, big win for Mirab, uh, Mirab Davilish. God, I mean, look, you can use this as a meme. You could clip this audio out and use it as a meme. It's 3 a.m. I must be lonely. I'm struggling through these Russian names. But our guy looked incredible against John Dotson. Unanimous decision, three nothing across the board. He talked trash. He wore the the giant black hat. Uh, you know, the opposite of Habib's. 
He uh, he had some spinny stuff. He ground him out on the ground. Murab, you looked fantastic. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this name down after I get some sleep. Uh, but that's really it up and down the board. That's what we came to see. We had some fat heavyweights on the early prelims. Uh, oh, Felis Felice Herrick got rolled through in a first round submission by by Verna John de Roba, and uh, that's that's probably the last time I'll try to pronounce that name too. Hey, why don't we quit while we're ahead, okay? I can say Stepe Miocic, and I can pronounce it correctly, and I can tell you that maybe you was right all along. He's great. He's freaking great. Showed us all we needed to see. It was Stepe's night, not mine on this one. Don't follow my betting picks. This was just, this was a train wreck. But uh, I welcome that. I welcome being wrong. I want surprises. I want impressive, emotional, incredible performances. And uh, we saw a little bit of history tonight. We saw the end of a great career in Daniel Cormier's. We saw the extension of an even greater one, potentially, in Stipe Miocic. Um, and we'll see what's next. John Jones, get your ish together. I'm, I'm waiting for you. Get in the bullpen. Let's do it. Build up that body, John. Build up those calves. It's time. It's time for some bingo at heavyweight. It's time. You know, let Dom Reyes win a, get a chance to win the vacant belt at 205, and we'll find out who these next generations of fighters are. Give me Reyes, blow it. Let's do it, okay? We'll find out who's the future face at 205. No need to rush. Let, let, that, let that division figure it out. No need to send... Uh, no need to send Cody Garbrandt to light heavyweight to add some star power. We can let this divisions uh, kind of regrow themselves. But John Jones going to heavyweight is money, and I'm here for that money. Okay, here for my pillow too. It's your boy BC, the state of combat. We may have petered out after a half hour, but that's my take. Instant analysis style. Hope you enjoyed the fights, and uh, we out. I'm, I'm not here to tell you anything else. We out. Thank you. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.